But imagine yourself picking up a debt that you could never pay. It just, the list goes on and on. That's what has accumulated against us. There is a list of debts, verse 14. A certificate of debt that we could never pay. It goes on and on and on. Every sin would condemn us. And we sin by thought, word, and deed. We're in big debt. And then imagine someone taking that and with a big red stamp, paid in full. Tear it up. Look again at verse 14. Canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us and which was hostile to us. He's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Welcome to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study called The Truth Shall Set You Free. Pastor Scott brings part two of the message titled The Truth About Redemption. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. So much flows from this matter of redemption. But all the way through Luke, fast forward, glance to Luke 24. Luke 24. And when the risen Christ came alongside those guys who were downcast, they were sad because they thought Jesus was dead. They knew he was dead, in fact. And they're walking along, Luke 24, verse 17, and Jesus comes up and they don't recognize him. Their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are these words that you're exchanging with one another as you're walking? And they stood still, looking sad. And one of them named Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? Don't you realize what happened? He said to them, What things? And they said to him, The things about Jesus the Nazarene who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word in the sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and rulers delivered him up to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping, we were thinking it was he who was going to redeem Israel. He, we were hoping it was he. They were longing for a redeemer. The Old Testament throbbed with that. The New Testament opens with that. And of course, Jesus then took the Bible from Moses through the prophets, and he explained the scripture to them about himself. And he explained to them that he is the Redeemer. And the balance of Luke 24, he says, now go tell all the nations about this, that you can have forgiveness of sins, you can have life in his name. And so that's a sweep through Luke. Look at John. Turn over to John 1. You're about one page from there. Turn over to John 1. And John the Baptist, this one that Zechariah was promised, when he comes on the scene, he came on with such power that they thought, this is him. This is he. And he says, no, I'm, I'm not. Well, who are you then? I'm just the voice of one crying in the wilderness. But the next day, look at verse 29. The next day, he saw Jesus coming to him. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God 
who takes away the sin of the world. The Redeemer. In him, the New Testament says, we have redemption through his blood. Now, when a Jew heard this phrase, the Lamb of God, they knew what he was saying. John, the one who was the voice to point to him, said, here he is. Jesus is the Lamb of God. And the rest of the New Testament unfolds this redemption that we have and why Jesus came, to be our liberator, to be our redeemer, to set us free. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished on us, Ephesians 1.7. I tell you, believer, find verses like that, that's Ephesians 1.7, and hide them in your heart. It's so good to be able to bask in our Redeemer. In Him we have redemption through His blood and the New Testament all the way through. And then you come to the book of Revelation and 28 times our Lord is referred to as the Lamb. All the Old Testament sacrifices, all the sacrificial system that God instituted was designed to point us toward the Lamb. That's why I had us turn to chapter 5, verse 9, as they worshiped the Lamb, because he purchased for God with his blood men from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. That's us, the church. The redemption from sin to God. And there's so many implications. He says repeatedly, you've been bought with a price. Stated positively, hence glorify God with your body. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price, Christian. Give yourself daily to bringing glory to him. That's Corinthians 6.20. Later, in that same passage, he says, you've been bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. Let me just say that. Very practical sidebar right now. Redemption has set us free to be slaves of the one who created us. And there is life in that. There is freedom. That's what we were made for. You're going to be my people. I'm going to redeem you, he said to Israel, and you'll be my people, and I'll be your God. It's a beautiful relationship. It's a mutual intimacy that the Bible closes with, that every believer in Christ will have this intimacy with God where we're his and he's ours. So positively stated, you've been bought with a price, glorify God. Negatively stated, and I think this is perhaps top of the list of dangers for you and I. 1 Corinthians 7.23, you've been bought with a price. Don't become slaves of what people think about you of what calculated wisdom says today. Don't be worried about what men think. It's freeing. It's so freeing to be realized, realized, realize, excuse me, that you are free. You've been set free to simply please God. Now, I said freedom from sin and its bondage. Um, 
I don't think I have to develop it much, except to say that last week we saw there's a father of lies, Satan, Jesus called him, the father of lies. He's a liar from the beginning. He has this world captured, and so we live in a world of untruth, and we're told that sin will set us free, and that you can just do your own thing, do what you like, and you'll be more free. That's untruth. Sin creates bondage. And yes, you're free to sin. You can step into it, if you will, and it's like stepping into a trap that gets deeper and more entangled. And anyone who's worked with people, anyone who's lived any length of time at all and is honest, I look at my own life, and I think sin entangles and it entraps. And if you're one who's seeking to help others, you watch this happen. And people say, I just want to fill in the blank, do my thing, do what I want to do. And they end up in bondage and enslavement. And we're caught up. And we end up, when God starts to wake us up, oh, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this bondage? Thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm quoting the end of Romans 7. I remember I was talking to a co-worker years ago about Christ. And he was one who said he was free to live any way he liked, and he did. He lived any way he liked. And it wasn't working. And it was becoming more and more obvious, even to those around him, to co-workers over a period of years, he had just abandoned himself to sin. And I was telling him about Christ and how Christ could set him free. And over a period of time, he awoke. But you know, when you come to Christ, and he did, it's not just like all of a sudden you see everything. We need our minds renewed. And he did too. And so I started him in a study of Romans. And uh, I remember distinctly, he came to me at work when he read Romans 7. And he said, now this I understand. When he said, the good I want to do, I can't. And the, the bad I don't want to do, I end up doing. And he, he heard that autobiographical sketch of Paul's heart. And as a new believer, he said, oh, Scott, this is right where I'm at. Let me just read it to you. Or you can turn there. It's good to look at it. Romans 7, 24. And 25, Paul is honest about this struggle, and he ends up crying out, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other with my flesh, the law of sin. He says, this spin that I'm in is a back and forth kind of a thing. Who will set me free? And he cries out, the Lord Jesus Christ will. And then it's no surprise that the eighth chapter follows with the liberty that Christ brings through his Holy Spirit. The freedom that the Christian life is meant to be. So we're redeemed from the bondage of sin. We're also redeemed, secondly from the guilt of sin. 
About three weeks ago, I was sharing the, the Lord Jesus Christ on, on a, actually on a sheet of yellow paper, uh, a yellow legal pad sitting at a coffee shop. And we had the Bible open, and my friend was interested. He'd been asking me, and so we were talking, and I was able to explain. And I think probably, I'm not sure, I mean, I, it's not worth really analyzing except for my own thought, what do I emphasize when I'm sharing Christ with people? But I know one thing. I am so thankful that I've been set free from the guilt of sin that I usually talk about it, okay? And so my friend was eager, and he was listening, and he was saying, this is making sense. And we were talking, and I was writing things down on the yellow pad, and, he, and I would write a reference and even the truth behind it, and he was looking, engaged, and finally he looked me in the eye, and he said, what must I do for salvation? And I said, well, you know, the, a guy in the Bible asked that, and I went like this, and he said, he put his hand like that, and he said, no. He said, I want to know what you'll say. Make it clear. Well, I didn't have to not quote the Bible. What must I do for salvation Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved. And he kept looking at me, and the wheels were turning. And then he said, but taxes are due. And he wasn't talking about April 15th. This was a... November, early, early November, perhaps. Taxes are due. And in our earlier discussion, I understood exactly what he was saying. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved? It's too easy. I, somebody's got to, the taxes are due. He was thinking about the innate knowledge we have that sin must be paid for. And this time I said, the Bible addresses that. And he didn't push my hand away. And I turned, and I want you to turn to Colossians 2. Verse 13. When you were dead, and I actually had my finger like this, you know. Because I wanted him, and I sometimes, depending on the setting, you know, there was 30 seconds earlier, he didn't want to hear the Bible. He wanted to hear from me. And so I, I'm not being rote here. I'm just saying I like to just let people see, you know. And so when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he, Christ, made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us and which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, 
having nailed it to the cross. About halfway through verse 14, when I was pointing at and saying the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, he began to read out loud. And I just moved my finger from then on. He nailed it to the cross. You have a credit card? Pull it out right now. No. <laughs> we all have credit cards. And it's just so easy. You can just whoosh, push it in, remove your card, and you just go your way. But there's what's called a debt accumulating. Have, how many, I won't, show, I won't ask for a show of hands. How many of you have ever been surprised at the end of the month? <laughs> Chris and I have a policy that we use it, but we pay it off. It's been our habit to pay it off completely. We don't like finance charges and all that stuff. But have you ever been, maybe that was your policy and you go, I can't. Maybe you say, Scott, are you kidding me? I'm the guy that the ad says, imagine yourself being credit card free, credit debt free, credit card, card debt free from within 24 to 48 hours, or not hours, months. Imagine, the advertisement says, you could be free of your credit card debt within two to four years. I know that's where we live because they wouldn't advertise to us if that's not where we live. But imagine yourself picking up a debt that you could never pay. It just, the list goes on and on. That's what has accumulated against us. There is a list of debts, verse 14. A certificate of debt that we could never pay. It goes on and on and on. Every sin would condemn us, and we sin by thought, word, and deed. We're in big debt. And then imagine someone taking that and with a big red stamp, paid in full. Tear it up. Look again at verse 14. Canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us and which was hostile to us. He's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Praise God. When we come around this table and Jesus says, this is my blood, we have been forgiven. We, redemption means our sins have been canceled completely, paid in full. It is finished, he said. Paid. And we even sing it, Jesus paid it all. And we sing that phrase in about six or eight different songs because it's so worthy of being sung. Christ's blood. Somebody had to pay. And somebody did pay. And I'm clean. And we use that word with addiction too, don't we? And I said there's a lot of overlap. We're cleansed. We're free from sin and its bondage and its guilt. And when I read this verse and I say my friend read the final phrase and it was right there on the yellow pad, on the text and on the yellow pad, he looked up at me. 
And then he did this. And he dug his phone out. And he took a picture. And he said, I'm going to go home and mull this over. Oh, I plead with you today. Mull it over. Jesus Christ paid it all. And the third thing he set us free from is futility. You weren't redeemed with perishable things like silver and gold, Peter said, 1 Peter 1, from your futile way of life, inherited from your forefathers. Oh, we could speak a whole other sermon on this, and don't worry, I won't. But I'm telling you, life without Christ is futile. It's empty. There's a vacantness to why are we here to live as if this life is what we're all about. I want to get my retirement together. How empty. Lift up your head. Your redemption draws nigh. Jesus Christ is coming back. And in the meantime, you've been bought with a price. Don't become a slave of men or a slave of yourself. Glorify God. Oh, it's freeing to realize I'm here to invest what little time I have left for him. And the joy and the peace and the purpose that come to life. And you say, Scott, I'm a Christian. I know that. Let me stop and just say, I speak to those here who don't know Christ. Life isn't just bumbling along until you hit the end of the line and I hope you don't have to go into a retirement home. Life is lived in relationship with Christ, you know God. But I'm speaking, I know, to most of us who know Christ, and I'm saying, don't start to act as if you're not redeemed, to start to live as if life is about here and now. Use the here and now for that which lasts. Glorify God in every aspect of life. We've been redeemed from that futile, the word is empty, vain. And you think about life lived. Now, there's nothing wrong with retirement. There's nothing wrong with any of those aspects of life. But you know what I'm saying. If you try to live as if that's it, or if daily you start to slip into that thinking, every time we come around the table, it's to wake us up remind us. I shed my blood for you. You've been set free. The truth will set you free. And daily we need to remember that there is one who purchased us with his blood. You've been listening to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, The Truth About Redemption, a message from our study of the great truths of the Bible. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today, or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to AbideInTheWord.us. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. If you've ever wanted Pastor Scott's sermon library in the palm of your hand, we have a new app available called the Abide App. It's available in both the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store. 
Along with the sermon library, you'll also find Scott's written publications, biblical seminars on a variety of subjects, daily devotional videos, this radio program, and the Abide Method, a monthly Bible reading and writing plan developed by Scott to give you the opportunity to read and write out Scripture. These resources all come free within the app, so if you're looking to deepen your relationship with Christ, please consider downloading the Abide app in either the Apple or Google App Stores. We'd love to get this valuable resource into your hands. If you don't have a church home in the area, Pastor Scott would love to invite you to join us in person for our Sunday worship services at Southwest Bible Church. That's each Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 a.m. at the church located at the corner of Southwest Murray and Weir Road in Beaverton. You can go to our website at swbible.org for more details. We hope to see you there. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. The truth about reconciliation. Let me repeat myself. It is the word of the cross in the language of personal relationship. Let's look at our text, 2 Corinthians 5, if you got back there, verse 17. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, the Bible speaks of it, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the moment you believe in him, you are placed in him. So any man, woman, boy, girl who is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things are passed away. Behold, new things have come. There is a new birth. Jesus said to the most religious man, perhaps, in the nation, the teacher of Israel, he said, you've got to be born again. You were born wrong, Nicodemus. You must be born again. Join us again next time as we continue our study called The Truth Shall Set You Free. Pastor Scott will bring a message titled The Truth About Reconciliation. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.